we seem to be working now. Um, right, okay. How are we doing, everybody? Welcome to episode 8 of Podcasting with Callum Baird. I hope you are all well and looking after yourselves. Um, we are recording on the computer too. Smashing. I was having a little bit of trouble getting this going on Instagram Live. Um, I'm not entirely sure what was going on. Tell me I had poor connection, even though my internet was tell, even though my phone was telling me I was connected to the Wi-Fi and I had 4G and all the rest. So I don't really know what was going on there, but we have it established now on Instagram Live, and we are recording on the computer. So the podcast is a go. Welcome along. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is episode eight. As I said, if you've been enjoying the podcast, I'm very grateful to it, to you for it, and thank you for listening. And if you've been spreading it around, as I know some of you have, thank you very much for doing that as well. Um, and thanks also to my patrons on Patreon.com: uh, Ewan, Rob, and Lynn, Haley, uh, Anna, and Danny who are patrons on my Patreon page, who make this podcast possible. I mean, I would still be doing it whether I had patrons or not, but our patrons are, uh, they keep me going right now, in particular right now through this um, crisis, and um, they are making this podcast possible. So thank you to my patrons um, who have signed up at the Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash Callum Baird songs. Um, so if you, yeah, if you want to become a patron, head over to the Patreon page, and uh, you'll get a shout out on my podcast as a supporter. Um, I'll put a, I'm going to start putting the Patreon page in the SoundCloud description when this goes up on SoundCloud. So if you've listened to this and you enjoyed it, you can become a patron at the end. But if you don't want to become a, a monthly patron, I totally understand. That's obviously fine. Um, but if you if you like what I'm doing, you like my podcast, you like my music, you like uh whatever else I'm, I'm up to um why not maybe think about chucking me a couple of quid on paypal um it's paypal.me forward slash callum baird songs um so yeah thank you for coming along and joining us this week um welcome to everyone watching on instagram live how are we doing i hope you're well over there i'm going to start doing this just now on instagram live i think during the lockdown when everyone's sort of at home um and uh, give somebody uh, give people an extra thing to their day if they're interested in tuning into what I'm doing, um, <clears throat> as well as recording it and obviously put it on SoundCloud for for all of time as long as we still have a thing called the internet. Um, this week, I have a topic for the podcast. I have been reading my book, Marxism and the Interpretation of Culture, and in that book there is an amazing essay. Um, which I'm going to talk to you about fairly soon, all about the Nueva Cancion movement and uh, in Latin America in the 80s, and um, that's going to be the source of the the, the 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 topic for this podcast, which I'm going to get to in a moment. Um, in the past week, what have I been up to in the past week? Well. Not very much, as you could probably imagine, because of this lockdown situation. Um, however, I did manage to do a live gig on Saturday night past, 
the 29th of March, which was really good. I really enjoyed the gig. Um, I had a lot of people tuning in, which was amazing. I did it over on Facebook. I had a lot of people tuning in. I had a lot of people uh, give me donations as well for the the gig, which was incredible. So thank you very much to everyone that did that um, and kept me going uh, throughout the gig as well. Comments, uh, support, sharing it to other people. Um, Thank you very much for that. And... um, yeah it was nice I got a lot of really positive feedback about it um, which was good it made it all the more worthwhile to do and I'm going to do another one um, but I'm not going to say when that is I know when it's going to be but I'm going to keep that under wraps just now I need to tell my patrons first of all and I also need to get a little little um, Facebook graphic um, little graphic to make up for social media and my website and stuff however I have an announcement that I will be doing a live gig with my friends from Berlin, Redhead Music, uh, Tobias Tila and Flo Tila, and uh, we will be doing a an online festival on Sunday, the fifth of April, which is this coming Sunday, and we'll be streaming that on Zoom, and I'll be singing as the representative from the United Kingdom, and there'll be people from Germany playing, uh, Ecuador, Chile, Cuba. So it's a proper international online festival this Sunday and if you head over to my Facebook page or my website you can get information about that. Uh, it's also my Twitter and on my Instagram page. Um, so head over there and f- get information on that or head over to the Redhead Music page on Facebook, Redhead Music, all one word. Give them a like and make sure you tune in there on Sunday at 5pm uh, GMT, British time, 5pm and you'll get the gig there, 6pm European time. And, um, yeah, so that's the Sunday. And this week, this week, right now, as I speak to you, I should have been in London, um, visiting friends down there, but obviously with this COVID situation, I've had to cancel, I'm not, it's not essential travel, so it's been binned, um, which is quite disappointing, because I was looking, I've been looking forward to going to the British Museum, and um, for a while I was supposed to go in February and I spent most of January looking forward to that trip and then I was supposed to go this week and I spent the last little while looking forward to that trip and then I've had to cancel it so it's quite disappointing but these things happen and it's better to be safer than sorry isn't it so um, but nonetheless here I am I'm giving you this podcast I'm doing the podcast and I hope you enjoy it Um, what else have I been up to in the past week I I downloaded a game on Steam I've disappeared down the computer games rabbit hole and um, <clears throat> well not quite I- I'm still managing to pop out and um, get something to eat and occasionally read a book but um, most evenings from about 9 until 1 in the morning I'm playing Tropico and if you haven't played Tropico it's sort of like Sims uh, it's like it's like a combination of Sims and Sim City, but with the politics thrown in and basically what you do is you you build up your city, you get your resources, you organise the politics, you organise the economy and um, it's basically, it's it's every um, it's every tin pot dictator's dream really. Um, you get to build your own island, you get to declare war on people, you get to make alliances with international countries like China, America um, and it's really... Um, it's really it's a really enjoyable gaming experience and I recommend it to you if you are 
stuck for something to do or you fancy doing something a little bit different it is does take a bit of getting used to i would recommend that you do the version where you've got unlimited money um because you enjoy it more and you can do you can do anything like you can build the island and have it go in and then just decide to destroy it if you want you can set that you can create your constitution as well um it's good fun so i'd really recommend it to you if you um if you're that way inclined <clears throat> so i've been doing that with a bit of my time this week i've also been watching on bbc4 um it's, it's a program called art mysteries um on if you're listening to this outside of the uk you probably won't enjoy you probably won't be able to get access to this um i don't think you can get the bbc i played abroad which is an absolute bastard but um yeah I've been watching Art Mysteries by Valdemar Janusak and he takes really famous paintings so he's done uh, our painters um, he's done the first week was Vincent van Gogh um, the week after that was Surat and then this week he's done Paul Gauguin and um, he, what he what he kind of does is he uses like a combination of art history and um, sort of social anthropology, and he looks at um, <clears throat> he looks at old paintings, and he um, he looks at paintings, and he sort of uses art history and social anthropology to describe uh, and explain and sort of contextualize these paintings and um, unpick some of the hidden messages within them, um, and sort of sets out. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It really places the artists, you know, people like Van Gogh and Surat, it really places them in the time, in the moment, where they're at, where they're coming from, when they're making these really famous works of art. Um, so I'd recommend you can get get that on iPlayer. Uh, art Mysteries with Valdemar Janusak. If you can get that on iPlayer, I'd recommend it. There's three of them up there just now. They're all half an hour long, so just give yourself an extended lunch break and get stuck into that because they're really good. And very interesting, and it really sort of um, unmasks the the artist as well. Like the the or what's the better way of saying it? It really undermines the idea that the 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 painter is some sort of like mythical genius. Um, what what Waldemar does is he um when he's describing his paintings, he really places the artist in the time uh, that they're that they're working in, and it really um. It really bring it actually brings the painting to life more than this sort of like high fluting crap that the the artist is some sort of like all knowing being who stands above society. Um, and 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 the program is quite fun to watch as well. You're not it's not boring to watch. It's not some art art historian lecturing you. It's quite an engaging program. So I really recommend it if you can watch it. If you're not if you're in the UK, if you're not in the UK, you're fucked basically. Um, well you can't watch it. I suppose. Um. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's been my past week. I've also been drawing. I've been trying to learn to draw. Um, I started that before lockdown, but now we're in lockdown in the UK. I think we're on day ten now. Um, it's it's a useful thing to it's a useful thing to have to be teaching yourself how to draw because inevitably I'll just go away. Um, you know, if I if I'm not reading something or um not playing my guitar, there's a very strong chance I'll go away and um waste my life on the PlayStation. So having that option of being able to draw and learning to draw and thinking, oh, I'd like to draw 
uh, what would I, a, a, a table, you know, I'd like to know how to really draw properly, masterfully get to grips with starting to learn to draw a table. Um, and so just jumping onto YouTube for a couple of hours, an hour, if that, excuse me, and um, getting stuck into that and just adding another bow, another string to my bow, as they say. Uh, welcome to everyone watching on Instagram Live. Thanks for tuning in. This is Podcasting with Callum Baird. You, um, if you've just joined us, you've not missed much. Um, just been describing my week that's passed. And this week's topic for the podcast is going to be the Nueva Cancion movement in Latin America, which I'm just about to get onto very, very shortly. Um, so thank you for joining us. If you're listening to this in the past, as we established last week on SoundCloud, uh, thank you for listening. If you're new to the podcast, go back to the start and have a little listen and um, see and you know sort of immerse yourself in the direction of this. I started this podcast as something for me to do as a as an, an extra outlet for my work when I'm not doing music or I'm not um, playing any gigs or anything like that. It's an, an extra thing for me to do. Um, it's an extra way an extra way for me to you know con- connect with people who like my music but I don't often get a chance to to play in their area or something like that so it's an extra it's an extra thing for me to do but I've also done it as a way of um um I also wanted to use it as a way for other musicians and um poets and stuff to maybe get involved in but now with this lockdown stuff that's in the pandemic that's sunk that well at least for the time being anyway um so but what I've been doing is sort of trying to include advice for musicians as well when trying to get work. I've been trying to describe how I work as a musician and, and trying to offer help and support to people who are who are musicians or um, and are trying to figure out how to make it work for them. Um, so go back to the start if you if you're new to the podcast. That would be my recommendation. There's not much to catch up with. Each podcast is about an hour long, so you could maybe get through that in a couple of days. Um, if you if you don't if you want to if you don't nay bother um i hope you enjoy this week's podcast um and yes thank you very much to everyone who's listening and thanks to my patrons as well for their support and if you want to you don't have to but if you want to the patreon page is patreon.com forward slash callum baird songs just going to take a sip for my water so yeah i've been learning to draw and one of the things I drew this week is a paint, is a not painting, it's a drawing, uh, which I called um, "Art is Labor," and the general gist of that is that you know, kind of what I was saying there about Valdemar Janoszak about how he takes the artist away from this. Well, he doesn't. I don't know if he means to. I mean, I'm not saying that Janoszak's some sort of mad socialist who's hell bent on. Um, radicalizing art history i don't think that at all um i think he's probably a progressive person but what he's done with what he's done either deliberately or inadvertently as showing how the the artist is just uh, an ordinary person operating in society they maybe have their own little quirks um well most of them did but um he shows how they're just an ordinary person operating in society who's a product of society um as much as anything else um and they're not, as I said, not some sort of all-knowing, all-powerful, semi-divine inspira- inspiration, 
uh, who stands above society looking down and bestowing these incredible works of art um, onto people who are um, s- stupid and can't comprehend what's being produced. The, the, the artist is obviously someone who uses tools, who requires skill, tools and you know application as much as you would require for any other job. Um, and so that's kind of what the gist of my drawing was. That was a roundabout way of getting there, wasn't it? Um, I'm just in a hurry to talk about Nueva Canción. I've been reading about it for the last couple of days and it's really interesting and it's really got me thinking and um, I hope you'll enjoy it. I'm just about to get to the point of the podcast. just want to say hello to the folks still watching on Instagram Live again. Thank you for tuning in. And, and, and again, I just want to say I hope you're, you're well. Um, I know this is a quite a tough time. I think maybe some people have moved on to not so much dealing with the virus and the pandemic, but sort of dealing with lockdown and controlling that and how they manage that. Um, you know, for, for me, before, sort of about four weeks before we went into lockdown, I was kind of at home during the day anyway, organising music, organising gigs. Um, I'd maybe go out at night to go swimming and, and what have you, but um, enjoy my social life as it were, as it was, where, uh, anyway, and, um, so, so being, being in during the day doesn't really, um, have much, isn't really affecting me so much, I think what's getting to me is how it's affecting other people, um, and, um, other people that I speak to, I've got friends who live <coughs> in Spain, Germany, and other parts of Europe, and they're, they're all sort of like, it's all a bit more intense there, it's gotten to a more intense stage quicker than it has in the UK, and so they're all they're a couple of weeks ahead of us in terms of um how in terms of how it's impacting on them. So it's kinda hard to see that and um speaking to friends and family in the UK after the ten days, sort of listening to them and how they're coping with it has been um it's been quite hard as well. And and it is it is hard. And I hope you're looking after yourself. Um and anyone else that's around you if you if you can. But you know it's important to remember that this is a a really unique time in our life lives and that this will pass um that there there might be a tail on it you know economically and stuff like that but this will pass and just try to keep yourself grounded and looking for things to keep you entertained and try not to try not to binge watch stuff as well try to pace yourself um if you can i've maybe binge watching works for you but for me if I was to sit and binge watch something now and then this got extended by another three two or three weeks who who knew who knows I'd be left with nothing to do and that would make it harder um and all of a sudden me me being used to sort of working at home organizing my life as a musician would be rendered useless because I would run run out of things to do so that's that's kind of I'm trying to pace my um <clears throat> I'm trying to pace what I do to end, to fill my time. Um, so that would be my recommendation to you if you're um, if you're if you're looking for one for how to deal with this um, lockdown situation. And and if maybe if you've got some tips of your own, if you're watching on Instagram Live, you could comment. If you're listening on SoundCloud, um, drop a comment below. Or if you're list, if you've come across it on social media, um, drop a comment on social media about how you're managing lockdown. Um, we are all in this together. Um, 
So, well, most of us are, I think. The vast majority are. Um, and, 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 and try not to watch the news as well. That's I know that's... Um, you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago I watched a, a plague documentary on, on YouTube. I can't really remember why and I can't really remember how I ended up watching it, but I did. It was like an hour and a half long. And I watched it and I remember watching it and the, if, I think every day at the end or at the end of every week somebody would go around and pin up on the wall um, the death st- statistics from that day. I think it was that day. And I remember thinking, Jesus, that's grim. Like, imagine living in London knowing the plague's going about and somebody's nailing the number of people that have died on the wall in your street every day. And that's what they're doing on the news. It's not quite as... Um, you know, every day you go on the news, oh, 500 people have died, 300 people in Italy have died, 600 people in Spain have died, and it's, it's fucking grim. Um, so I've been staying away from it. I pick up little bits here and there on Twitter, um, on social media, but I've been trying to stay away from that as well. Um, although social media has been a bit more colourful lately, I think people have gotten their imagination, um, now that they're... I've gotten a bit of imagination, I've been sort of freed up from the sort of monotony of the everyday grind, I think. I think that's what's happening and people are, there's a lot of good, um, there's a lot of good things happening on social media, a lot of interesting things being shared and it's not as grim as it, as it, as it kind of felt, it kind of felt, um, maybe that just says something about the people I follow, I don't know, but it kind of felt a bit, um, a bit heavy. Um, but it, it's gotten a bit of like character about it. There's always something interesting or funny or um, moving on social media these days. Whereas before, it kind of just felt a bit like it was bumping along, and there was just grim u- news all the time. But I think people have kind of um, gotten a bit are kind of using their imagination in this lockdown period, and are um, are trying are using it to to sort of. Um, distract themselves almost but also to um give themselves a, a bit of lift the weight off their mind off their shoulders of of the situation and um so yeah but I'm, I'm still trying to keep away from it a bit because when you go in there inevitably you see people talking about the number of people that have died the number of cases um how we're not testing people the 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 total desperate situation in the healthcare and and, and all these things and it's it's you know, I've just described them there to you, so you maybe come here to get away from it, and there, there you are, I'm describing the crap situation. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to just avoid it, because it's it's a bit much sometimes. Um, and trying to just do other things with my time, and with my, with my, um, with my brain, than sitting, letting it melt, watching BBC News. Um, I think that's all I'm going to say about the virus situation for now and I'm going to move on to my topic for this podcast which is the Nueva Cancion movement in Latin America in the sort of 60s, 70s and 80s and it's kind of continued now like it's still got a place in Latin American culture uh, certainly in its history obviously um, but still today I mean if you go to uh, in Chile for example just around about sort of October, the end of the last year, um, but even, um, I'm just going to adjust my seat because I'm, I'm feel myself sliding off it, hang on a minute, even, um, 
Yeah, I think it's it continued into early this year. These pro, but there's massive protests in Chile against the neoliberal policies of the government, in particular privatizing railways and increasing and not privatizing railways. They already were privatized, I believe, increasing the fares on railways inexplicably, and um, this sparked massive protests. And there was like a million people out in the streets of Santiago de Chile, and. At one one day in the protests, they were all jo- they were joined um, by musicians who began singing songs by the famous um, Nueva Canción singer, uh, activist, and all round good guy Victor Hara, and they were singing his song Manifiesto, and um, it's a beautiful song, and if you've not seen the video, I suggest you go over to YouTube, you smack into the search bar, Chile protests Victor Hara and watch a million people singing Victor Hara in Santiago de Chile. It's amazing and that's just and it's just one example of how the Nueva Cancion movement is still relevant in Chile in particular, but also in Latin America. And in in Cuba they still have a so as well as Nueva Cancion you had Canto Nueva, uh you had Nueva Trova. Uh so Nueva Cancion means new song. Canto Nueva means uh I think it's new singers. I think that's what it means. I need to double check that translation. I will put the description of this, what they mean in the uh, the SoundCloud, um, in the description. And you had, um, as well as that, you had the Nueva Trova movement in Cuba, which is Trova is troubadour, um, so new troubadour, um, and they still have a Trova festival in Cuba to this day, supported and organised by the Young Trova movement. Um, so there's still a place for these, and and a and a regeneration of these um movements, these song movements, taking place in Latin America. However, I've been reading about it this week, in my book Marxism and the Interpretation of Culture. And there's a particular essay in this, by. Fernando Reyes Mata and in his book in this essay um, the essay is titled The New Song and Its Confrontation in Latin America and what he describes in there is a sort of um, so he describes what the new song is and it, it, and basically, I'm 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 just going to get stuck into it. So, new song is popular folk songs, uh, of struggle and action in Latin America. Um, the tales of ev- so and they, they include like tales of everyday life, but sort of wrapped up in a as part of the struggle. So, for example, there's a line in the Cuban singers, Cuban singer Silvio Rodriguez. He has a line in his song which I'm just about to read to you, which is beautiful, in my opinion. Once I find it in the book. And the line is... Oh, I've lost it. Dearie me, I had it underlined and bookmarked it, but I went and lost it. Would you Adam and Eve it? What an absolute tool. Ah, I found it. Um, he's, the line is, um, Let us step forward. All our banners flying high of a couple in love. So the song is, um, so the point is he takes the um, the social and collective situation and he links it to 
um, people's particular dreams, um, their fantasies, their 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 worldviews. Um, so, and in this song, he takes the dreams of a couple in love, and he sort of uses socialistic uh, language, um, and it's sort of, it's almost like a hidden message, but it's 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 more than that. It's it's smarter than that. And so the line is, "Let us step forward, all our banners flying high, united in such a way that loneliness is no more." So you can see there in that line the sort of what I said there about songs of struggle and action, but also how they they're woven into tales of everyday life and the the dream of being a couple in love, as if that you would get in normal songs and ordinary songs, mainstream music, as as you were, being woven into um, tales of struggle and um, how that is projected and onto the wider struggle, the wider movement of popular song and the wider popular struggle in Latin America against, um, well not simply against, but part of against, um, partly against imperialism, so US imperialism in Latin America and um, what the New Eva can show on is, as one part, is a is a um, a cultural confrontation between um, Latin American music versus U.S. soft power through U.S. Um, music and U.S. culture, I suppose. Um, so, as well as um, the U.S. subjugating Latin America in the eighties with debt, with um, military coups, military dictatorships, they they um, swamped, they drenched, they saturated the Latin American cultural market with record label, with music produced by record labels like Warner Brothers, um, CBS and all the others, all the usual big players and tried to drown out the Nueva Cancion movement and the song and their song which was attached to political movements and it's it's important to say that they, although the New Vacancion songs, although they were political, they weren't simply, in fact, they weren't even at all protest songs. You know, they had a vision. They gave political movements a cultural offer and a and a cultural dimension. They weren't just um, ranting, angry songs of an individual. Um, they weren't just. Um, they weren't like pamphlets. Um, they were, you know, they weren't pamphlets put to song. They they were expressions. They were um, artistic ideals on the one hand, but they were also very practical and very tied in to what was going on on the ground, what was happening in political movements. And as I said, they gave the they gave the political vanguards, if you like, um, of the time. They gave them a cultural expression and an extra dimension to tap into people's um, consciousness and their imagination um, which is really important for a, a, any political movement um, to have uh, especially in, in Latin America as, which as I said was is, was and still is subjugated by massive levels of debt um, subjugated by neocolonialism um, imperialism and um, US soft power is everywhere as well, not just in the songs but in the who controls the radio stations, the TV stations and so on and the Weaver Cancion was a big confrontation to that With, and not just in terms of what it said and what the content of the songs were 
and um, their attachment to political movements um, but even down to the the instruments they used so sort of um, I suppose we'd say aesthetically um, like the instruments they used um, were sort of representative of all the countries in Latin America or all, well, maybe not all the countries but um, most of the countries in Latin America or so obviously the guitar which you'd find in most countries some uh the flute some sort of flutes um but mo- but mostly in most of the the Nueva Canción movements songs you'd find uh the following instruments so you'd find the charango which is a a type of guitar you'd find the cuatro which is a a Mexican sort of four string guitar you'd find the tres which is a Cuban guitar um, which has six strings on it, but they're doubled up together, so it looks like there's only three strings on it. Um, if you've ever heard any Afro-Cuban music, you will have heard the tres. It almost sounds like a, almost sounds like a piano. Uh, sometimes, um, I'll post. I've got some recommendations and some examples of Latin American music, uh, Nueva Canción music, in a second that I'll give you. If you want to go and hear these instruments, but I'll just continue. So the tres, the Andean cuena, so that's the flute, which um, <clears throat> features quite a lot in some of these songs. Obviously the maracas, and then the um, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. So I'm definitely going to pronounce it wrong. The guiro, I think it is, which if you've ever heard David Bowie's song "The Man Who Sold the World," you'll hear that. It's sort of like a, it's like a grating noise, but it and it keeps the beat. Um, so go and listen to the man who sold the world. You'll hear it in there, and it's sort of like grating noise, and um, and you'll hear that in Latin American music. It's a, it's a percussion instrument, and it keeps the beat, and it adds. It, not only does it keep the beat, but it adds like a, it adds a click to the song. Um, I suppose that is keeping the beat, but do you know what I mean? It's not merely there, just keeping the song going and giving it a bit of something else. It's um, it, it, it is part of the song's character. And if it wasn't there, you would you would notice it. If it wasn't, if it was there, you notice it when it's there, but you notice it when it's not there, and that's um, that's the significance of it, of that particular instrument. But in recording their songs with all these different instruments, all these different instruments from across Latin America, using all these different instruments from across Latin America in their songs, what the Nueva Canción movement were doing, and I suppose. Their um, the inheritors of this who are still in Chile and and Cuba as I, I mentioned earlier, who are still going. What what they're doing when they use the Mexican cuatro with the maracas, with the Andean cuena, with the Cuban guero, guero. I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong. Um, using instruments from all the different countries in Latin America as they're expressing the 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 dream, I suppose of progressives in Latin America for um, Latin American integration and this is a political goal for most progressive movements in Latin America it's a political goal for Cuba it has been since the revolution in 1959 um, it's the it's a political goal for the Venezuelan government uh, and, and there was a sign that it was beginning to happen with ALBA in the previous decade um, but the I mean, for another time, we'll go, maybe go into that some some other podcast or or 
maybe not at all. Um, it's, it's a that's a bit more adds a bit of complication to this. But Alba was a a multilateral Latin American sort of trade political body. I suppose the best way we would describe it for Westerners is kind of similar to the EU, but nothing like the EU. Um, but sort of like multilateral organization. That's that's the similarity with the EU. Um, and um, but Latin American integration is is a dream of progressives in Latin America, um, and it, by using all these instruments from Mexico from Cuba, they are sort of saying here is it's a very very conscious expression of <coughs> a very conscious expression of Latin American culture from of different representatives of the countries integrating the music and producing one finished Latin American product and that's representing the idea, the ideal behind Latin American integration where you would have Cuba, you would have Chile, you would have Mexico, you would have uh, Peru, you would have Brazil, you'd have Venezuela all coming together and integrating and organising themselves politically, socially and economically away from the influence of American imperialism and cultural hegemony, basically. Hegemony, however you want to pronounce that. And um, the, the, the ideal of Latin American integration is something that um, really motors um, this this movement along um, and really is at the centre of, of it. It's, it's not... You, although you have singers in different countries they all work together and their ideal is for Latin American integration and doing this through song is their way of showing it but at the same time as they are doing it through song there's polit- there, were, there was and there still is but I'm talking about the past so let's focus on that in a moment there was many different political movements from these countries and as well as these political movements were ad- advocating Latin American integration and then the, the, the Nueva Canción through their song was advocating um, Latin American integration both in their lyrics but also in the instruments they were using they were expressing that that ideal through their through their instrumentation and straight away just through that alone you can see why that would be a threat to forces of imperialism um, to US soft power um, to military dictatorships who were dependent on US support and financing you can see why the why that was why the the river canción was so powerful and so important to the development of Latin American culture resistance popular struggle at the time and and you can see why it still persists and prevails to this day as I mentioned with Chile and Cuba earlier uh, when I began talking about Nueva Canción and um, some examples um, for you so, uh, some singers that you should check out because all of their songs include this um, but some examples for you so I mentioned Victor Hara um, so he spelled J- I'll, put, I'll put his name in the description on SoundCloud you can check him out there. Uh, so we've got Victor Hara in Chile. We've got Silvio Rodriguez in Cuba, who's a brilliant singer, 
songwriter. I'd recommend his album uh, Diaz y Flores. Um, brilliant album. Um, the music on there is just stunning. Um, I really, yeah, go and check that out. Um, Daniel Vigletti in Uruguay. Um, and another a song I listened to this morning, which I really, really enjoyed, um, was by uh, Noel Nicola, which is called um, A Meme Asi Como Soy, which I forgot to look up what that meant in English. But it's a beautiful song. I've posted it in my Instagram stories. Um, it's an absolutely stunning piece of music, and it, and it uses that that all those different um, instruments that I talked about as well. And the lyrics are lovely. The vocals, vocal work's incredible. Listening to the music um, is incredible, and and it's just um, it's just fantastic. Latin American music is just fantastic, and um, strongly recommend you go. Even if you're not interested in finding out more about Nueva Canción. I strongly recommend you go and join and um, listen to those singers on on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. <coughs> and um, dear me, throat is very dry today. I'm not getting COVID nineteen. Don't worry. And um, they using their their instruments the way they do connecting them with political movements in the way connecting their songs with political movements in the way they do and um and and working together collectively in the way they do uh expressing which exp- to, ex- to express that that dream of latin american integration is um a very gramscian thing to do um you know they're using um past and existing you know artistic and cultural practices traditions um it's probably a better word to project a vision of the future um and antonio gramsci the the marxist philosopher he argued that revolutionaries um must come to be accepted as leaders um by synthesizing the past with their project of the future um, so take for example the uh, Silvio Rodriguez, who is um, part of the Nueva Trova music um, movement in Cuba, and what he does there is he takes the the hundred year plus, probably nearly two hundred year old tradition in Cuba of um, the the troubadour, the Nueva troubadour of the Trova, sorry, and he brings it to life with a a revolutionary um, but popular context um, as well. I mean, that's the thing that needs to be emphasised well well with New Evertrova is although it's revolutionary and political, it was it is and was popular. Um, it wasn't something that... It wasn't like, um, like an example of... Like somebody who's always labelled as a protest singer, Bob Dylan, and people don't really listen to his political songs. They listen to his more... Things like knocking on heaven's door, um, blood on the tracks, w- which doesn't really have a lot of political content in it, um, and his earlier stuff is sort of, it's you know things like blown in the wind are taken out of context all the time. You'll find them selling you fucking running. Sh- you'll find that song selling you running shoes now. Um, Masters of War is very rarely talked about, but even then, like Bob Dylan, he 
he's not even in the in my opinion, he's not even close to what's going on with Nueva Cancion here. There will be people out there who will disagree with that. Of course. But he's he's not um he's not this I don't think he's the same as what's going on with Nueva Cancion. And Yeah, as as I said, you know the the Nueva Cancion ideal is very Gramscian in the way it's it's organised and works, and I'm not sure if that's deliberate. It possibly is. It's possibly possibly not. Um, but using the using the past and using past traditions and um, past cultural tools, I suppose, like the guitars I described, the quattro, the tres, the Andean quena, the flute. Um, Using these to express uh, a vision of the future is a very Gramscian thing to do. Um, and, and Cuba as a whole, I think, is a very Gramscian country. Um, but again, that's another podcast um, for some other time. Um, but it's, it's, I think that's an interesting side. That's a, an interesting take, or it's a hot take. Maybe it's not a hot take. I think there's some truth in it. Um, and, and it's... It's very um, it's very interesting. It's very sober reading, as a mu- as a musician reading about uh, Nueva Cancion, <clears throat> and uh, how they organised and how they worked politically, with each other, with the people, with mass political movements, um, and how they struggled against American imperialism, American soft power. I mean, they were in political terms, I mean, if you can imagine it in a sort of, like, hierarchy almost, so you had the political parties, um, and their van, like, the sort of vanguards, if you like, of these political movements, who were leading the struggle at the top end of politics, I suppose, but were also trying to organise people in the workplace, in, in civil society, and then you had the New Wave of Canson movement, who were backing up the struggle in civil society, um, and they were taking on American soft power, American cultural hegemony. And um, I want to read you some quotes from the the essay I was reading on Nueva Cancion because they're absolutely brilliant and they say better. They, they, they say it describes very well what Nueva Cancion is up to and what it's all about. <clears throat> so this is from Fernando Reyes Mata and he says, he says, Song and action, song, struggle and poetry, as always. But today the centres of domination have the world communications media structure in their favour. They have philosophers like Milton Friedman to announce that it is the time of freedom to choose with money in hand. And they also have their industrial produced, industrially produced symbols like John Travolta who sing in their fibreglass environments under alienating lights to a youth that has surrendered to an uncommitted wandering in the city understood as a place where personality dissolves and um, I think that's an absolutely brilliant summation of what Cancio Nueva is up against, the the power of American culture fi- financially um, but also philosophically and the worldview that the whole political movement in Latin America was trying to destroy 
but that New Eva can sh- and that New Eva can Sean was backing up with its with its song and its action and its poetry and as as I said they they were almost like but weren't simply they were almost like pamphlets but in put to song but they were more than that because they were, as I said they were the expression of Latin American integration through the instruments they used through the through their lyrics they they talked of everyday life but framed it in a popular struggle uh, sort of way gave it the expression of popular struggle which is a genius way of songwriting and um, a very moving way of songwriting as well but I'm just going to chuck you some more quotes from this book because it's a fantastic book it's a fantastic essay and it really got me thinking so we have here we have a description of um, the, the music market in Latin America at the time up against cultural hegemony uh, of the US and US soft power and what you what um what what was going on in terms of the organization of the music scene if you like was against New Cancion was organized at a very top level it was organized by big record companies who had a lot of money and to manipulate the market manipulate what people were listening to so there's a quote here from George Alvarez who was a former artistic director of the Capital label and this is a description of his account of working for Capital um, just going to before I do that I'm just going to say hello to everyone watching on Instagram live thank you for tuning in and uh, I hope you're enjoying this podcast uh, this will be recorded on SoundCloud and I'll be shoving it on there and fairly soon once I've finished talking I'll I'll get it edited and put it on SoundCloud and I'm talking at the moment about Nueva Cancion which is a political song movement from Latin America in the 60s, 70s and 80s but it still continues today. So this is George Alvarez talking um, about his experience of working for the label Capital and George says you maybe can't uh, he says the big record companies have a budget of course, an overly high one to run their public relations, the promotions campaigns. There are cases, for example, in which payola is u- not used, that is a check is not given so that a certain melody will be programmed by a station, but this is made up for by sending the broadcaster on a trip to Europe or giving him a new car or sending him to Acapulco. It has been known to happen that artistic directors fly 50,000... Uh, sorry, <laughs> that artistic directors ask 50,000 pesos per month from their, so that was about $2,000 at the time, from new small companies in exchange for promoting their product on a given radio station. The big companies have specialised personnel known in the radio world who manage these things, or else the record company sends a programmer to a concert in Los Angeles or New York, all expenses paid. In other cases, he or she is invited to Europe on a pleasure trip on the company's account, of course. Another way to promote records is the one CBS uses. It doesn't give a cent to the artistic directors, but from time to time it gives them a special promotion deal of records to give to the public. It may be a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, five thousand records by the strongest artists such as Chicago or Earth, Wind and Fire. So what George is talking about there is how Latin American music is squeezed out of the um, the market in Latin America and is replaced by these big 
US based labels and uh, the market saturated by them and this is what New Era Cancion was struggling against it was struggling against US imperialism in the cultural uh, sphere if you like in the cultural arena that's probably a better way of putting it if we're talking about struggle and um, I'm just going to take another drink I keep moving my water bottle, it's over here, it's over there, and I can't find it, so I'm in the middle of talking, and I'm thinking, I need a drink, and then I go to look for my water bottle, and I'm like, oh shit, where have I put it? So, that's why there's so many pauses. Um, so, yeah, they're struggling, the, the can Sean are struggling against uh, US soft power in Latin America, and it's an example of the, the way culture works um, in the class struggle. Um, and it's an example of class struggle in the realm of culture and the US soft power was used deliberately to suppress and crush um, the New Eva Cancion movement and their songs at the same time as US uh, backed forces such as the dictatorship in Chile, the dictatorship in Argentina and Uruguay reactionary governments elsewhere in Latin America were used to suppress um, political movements. So there was a there was a double edged thing going on there and Nueva Canción were a really important part of the struggle in Latin America against US imperialism but also against military dictatorships, uh, reactionary governments, um, and I suppose capitalism. And what Nueva Canción was was uh, a national liberation uh, sort of class struggle versus the perpetuation of US interests in Latin America um, <coughs> and you know as well as that it was obviously a struggle for airspace as well um, on the radio stations if they could get on there and and don't forget a lot of these musicians were, were exiled Daniel Vigletti was exiled um, he did a concert in Argentina just close to Uruguay and on the border of Uruguay and people living in Argentina, people living in Uruguay were coming to stand on the border and listen to Daniel Vigletti playing in Argentina. So it, they were they were struggling to get heard in their own countries. They were struggling to get their message out in their own countries. And when I say struggle, I don't mean they were fine. They were, they were actually in struggle, in struggle against the radio stations who were taking the coin of US soft power, US culture. Um, and keeping the Nueva Cancion movement out of the um, of the airwaves, and this was at a time as well when you know you didn't have Spotify, you didn't have the internet, so getting played on the radio was massive for musicians. Um, you had cassette, you still had cassettes, CDs were kind of new, um, and were probably hard to get hold of for musicians as well at this point, particularly independent musicians, um, particularly musicians who didn't have a lot of money. Because they weren't backed by massive record labels like um, like Capital, CBS, and Warner, and things like that. So there's a lot going on here. It's not just this is what I mean. It's not just political. It's a very cultural thing. Um, a very cultural um, expression of of the political struggle that's going on here as well. That's um, that's that's very a very important dynamic of of this, and. I just want to hit you with another quote, which is just one... Ah, there's two more I want to hit you with, unfortunately. 
Not unfortunately, because they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. So, Fernando Reyes Mata says, uh, When music is seen exclusively as a commercial product, and when radio becomes part of a whole system that makes culture an industry and the public a market, all this follows almost inevitably. But there is even more misrepresentation of the public's taste. So, George Alvarez continues, It is said that radio programming is done according to telephone calls, but this too is fixed. I don't know if all the companies have them, but Capital does. A few of the boys and girls are contracted to call in by phone and inflate the ratings. Until 1976, when I left Capital, I never agreed with the method, but it was instituted in 1975. So, so you've got, you've got these, you've got, so earlier George Alvarez talked about Chicago being beamed into Latin America and their music swamping out Latin American songs and the Nueva Cancion movement. And so you've got their songs cropping up on the radio and then you've got record labels hiring people to phone up these radio stations and say how great it is. Um, so that's that's the that's that's a that's an example of US soft power in action right there. Um, and that's an example of what Nueva Cancion was up against. Um organized organized um that's a racket really, um, to keep keep Nueva Cancion singers out of the um out of the of off the radio stations and out on any TV networks as well. Getting on TV was an absolute no no. Um, if they couldn't get on the radio, there was very little chance of them getting on the TV. Um, and one other one other example: pressure, money. So this is uh, back to the to the to the article. Pressure, money, fixed programming. All that brings the local system in line with the interests of the big transnational consortia of the record business. If one looks at the heart of the system, the statistics are eloquent. Five companies share 80% of the North American market. Warner has 25%, CBS 20%, Polydor 15%, RCA 12%, Capital brackets EMI 8%. From there, the business expands into the rest of the world and its growth affects not only small local band, brands, open to the diffusion of popular song or so-called committed song, but the whole national recording system in countries like Argentina, Venezuela and Mexico. So as well as um, these songs being brought in from America, what was happening is the songs were being reproduced in Latin America with different... Um, you know, different artists, different bands were bringing, doing, recording these songs um, and in Argentina, so that was if, because it was so popular on the radio. Record labels that existed in Argentina and, and and Latin America, see, they were forced to reproduce this music, but off their own back. Um, so I, what I mean is, they were forced to get bands in that would do songs like Chicago would, and um, put them out on their label in order to get a share of the market. So there, that's again, that's another example of US soft power controlling what's being delivered in Latin American culture and Latin American music. I'm just going to end the Instagram live video because it's coming to an end. I've got 20 seconds and I'm going to start another one. I'll share that to my story. Uh, give me a second. Boom. Boom. Let's see, it was being a bit wide earlier and kept telling me it wasn't working. There we go. We are now back on Instagram live. 
and <coughs> so yeah, there was a struggle for airspace for um these these singers for the Nueva Canción movement, for the Canto Nueva, for Nueva Trova, who were working um first and foremost as musicians, as cultural workers. They were then collectively coming together to give the expression of the ideal of Latin American integration and then politically they were organising to against US imperialism and US cultural hegemony and US soft power and the interests, record labels, radio stations, that they that, that was trying to protect. Oh, sorry. The institutions that were trying that were protecting those institutions. That were oh my god. The institutions such as the record labels, the radio stations who were protecting US interests and um, perpetuating them. And um in a slightly different way well in a different way in terms of the political struggle but in a similar way you know the struggle for that these artists were 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 facing because the big record labels were just buying up all the airspace and pushing people out the struggle there is very similar to the struggle that musicians have now um trying to get you know we maybe don't try to radio play is I don't want to say diminishing and not important because if the BBC were to send me an email saying they're playing my song, I'd be delighted. But um, Spotify is where it's at these days. That's where it's shifting, isn't it? Um, and I talked about Spotify in an earlier podcast. Um, I think it was f- five or six I talked about that. Episode five or six I talked about podca- um, Spotify and how it's manipulating the music market. But, you know, what's happening is independent musicians are... Um, so you can go onto Spotify... You can uh, get your song in a playlist and someone at Spotify who is deciding what's popular and what's not may or may not put your song in a podcast depending on whether or not it fits his um, description of what's popular and what's not or their description of what's popular and what's not. And, you know, the big labels still influence this. They, if I don't, I've got Spotify Premium so I don't hear any adverts but I'm told that the music that gets that gets on the adverts is all uh, people who are on massive labels like EMI, Virgin, all this sort of stuff, um, Universal, and um, they are buying up adverts, buying up space on Spotify, and are just lashing out these singles um, and um, offering money to basically giving basically it's paying for play. Is paying so people will go out and listen to these songs on Spotify, and you know, for every thousand streams, you get something like eight eight dollars. Um, um, and there's some there's some artists that are you know that are fairly new to this that are on big labels and they're already sitting on two million two million monthly listeners. Um, so if each one of those is listening to them streaming a thousand of their songs, you know, you do the maths. streamed one of their songs a thousand times you do the maths of how much money that record label's making so there's big money in this and spotify is becoming the new or it already has become the new arena for 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 struggle for independent musicians to get airplay and get the music heard um and it, what an interesting way new eva cancion worked around these um the, the worked around the radio stations basically barring them 
blacklisting them effectively um, from the radio stations as they developed musicians cooperatives and they would they had music stores which in different countries which sold records from the Uva Cancion movement they would go around the towns and villages doing concerts and then selling the records and um, there's a quote that I'm going to share from you about how this worked in the in the, the essay and it's an example from Brazil and it's the Brazilian record market for popular music had in 1980 as a great novelty the explosion of independent producers and the discovery of regional markets that's enough now was the rebellious cry of the independent musicians who triumphed justly if the list of 20 best long playing records of 1980 is an is analyzed it is apparent that not less than six were produced independently the success of the independence is not only due to their intrinsic value but also to the, to the discovery of the existence of an urban market that likes regional themes some dedicated musicians musicians like dory gamey embraced or collaborated courageously with renovation of musical taste which in some wishes to escape from the diktats of international fashion in order to submerge itself in the rich sounds rhythms and melodies that are closest to the earth and what is brazil or what is brazilian i should say and um you know the point there is um about the how the, the the effectiveness of these musicians cooperatives and an exa- another example from Rio de Janeiro was the musicians cooperatives of Rio de Janeiro um, which created a department for alternative records and the initiator of this was a man called Antonio Adolfo uh, hello to everyone on Instagram live thanks for joining uh, this is my podcast and I'm talking about the Nueva Cancion movement in Latin America in the 1960s, 70s and 80s and Chico Mares de Souza says he, Adolfo uh, made several successful recordings and participated in festivals but afterwards he began to feel mutilated, unable to produce what he liked, no one wanted to record his music so then he did it on his own and then he went out to sell the records from place to place all over Brazil that way he sold more than 15,000 records and created the consciousness that it was possible to break the boycott of the multinationals. Others followed him, Daniel Kimi, Luli and Lucina, and the secrets of the work were passed to other composers, how to print, where and how to sell, thus the movement went on growing. And I think there's something in that for people, for musicians who are independent artists. I'm not quite entirely sure I've not figured out the maths of it yet, the logistics of it yet, but I think there's something in that for the way musicians can um, plough a different furrow from the Spotify um, cartel and the Spotify game of, oh, you pictures your song, pictures your single, and if it fits the zeitgeist that we're trying to build, it might get in a playlist. Um, I think there's something for that, and that would... You know what what that's doing, and I said this in an earlier podcast. What Spotify is doing there is just pitting musicians against each other and encouraging people to work on their own and to see other musicians as competition. Whereas a cooperative and would, I mean, for a cooperative to work, a musician's cooperative to work, everyone would have to see that their interests lie in supporting each other. 
Um, but that's not impossible to do, I don't think. And um, <coughs> what the the purpose of the cooperative in Brazil was was to break up the the boycott, as it says there, of the multinationals. And you know, Spotify effectively they're not created a boycott, but they've made it very very difficult for independent artists to break through to get their music heard. And you know, you would. You would need to the the attitude that Spotify is putting out is that you're not a successful musician unless you are getting your music listened to by millions of people. You're not a successful musician if you haven't got a record label. You know, we you need to change that attitude that actually being a musician is a is a form of work, and um, being famous is a is a is as much of having a successful record is no different to having being an architect and getting a bridge approved by a government and built it's it's the same sort of thing and that attitude needs to be changed and what spotify is doing is perpetuating that attitude of musicians in competition with each other that the struggle is for fame and fortune um but with a bit of a bit of effort a bit of um bit of not just effort but a bit of realization of what it is to be a musician a musician's cooperative would work well it would get your music heard um first and foremost but i need to maybe need to develop that idea a bit more and think about it a bit clearer but um i think it should be explored and um i think you know in terms of the covid19 crisis there might not be any other option um in terms of getting work in terms of getting live gigs who knows where um where that's where where we're headed with that i've seen a few articles this week with threats to live music with threats to small venues closures um you know the edinburgh festival's been cancelled here in scotland in the united kingdom and the knock-on effect that's going to have on the service sector like hotels and bars and restaurants that all hosted live music throughout the throughout the festival throughout the year um you know some of these places could be forced to close and then also small venues that relied on footfall from the Edinburgh Festival to boost their nights um, I'm not going to name any because I don't want to suggest that they're going to go out of business um, but there are a few I can think of that would that didn't that would do sort of like club nights DJ nights that would get massive football, footfall, football, footfall during the Edinburgh Festival and that's all going to be lost um, this year and a lot of people in Edinburgh and I'm just using Edinburgh as an example here but a lot of people that set up a business in the entertainment sector, sector, in the tourism, and the the um, service sector, a lot of them did so with the Edinburgh Festival in mind, and knowing that that would give them enough money, you know, sort of like a like a hamster hibernating and hiding all the way. It's all its food for winter. Um, you know, these festivals would get get a coin in these venues, coin it in during the festival, stash away the cash, and then anything they got throughout the rest of the year was a bonus. Um, and that's going to be lost and you know the impact that's going to have on musicians is I don't think it's been comprehended just yet I think it's obviously very early days but I think you know there'll be a lot of musicians who might be forced to, to chuck it might be forced to just give it up and go and give other work go and find a totally new line of work or um, not play live anymore or um, you know really reduce their 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 um their presence online um as well and um 
you know, a musician's cooperative might help in that scenario. Maybe. But we have to see. But I certainly think, and I'm about to wrap up the podcast because I've spoken now for well over an hour and I'm getting a bit peckish and I need something to eat. Um, so thanks to everyone who's watched on Instagram and if you've just joined, I'm very sorry but I'm about to end the stream. I've been po- doing the stream of my podcast, Podcasting with Callum Baird. I'm going to fire it on SoundCloud at the m- in just a second and I've been talking about Nueva Canción movement in Latin America in the 60s, 70s and 80s and um, I'm very good on you. How are you? Thank you for tuning in. And I think Nueva Canción, just to wrap it up, gives a good blueprint for artistic cooperati- cooperation. Um, it's as a co- working as a collective, maybe as a cooperative, as I said, not tempted by individual gain, um, and and being popular, but also having a political dimension. And I think that's the a very good legacy for f- that Nueva Canción has left behind. It shows musicians around the world, but particularly in Latin America, but around the world, and um, it shows them how to how to be popular, but be political as well, and be part of a movement for something more than just yourself as a musician. So that concludes the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you found it interesting. Um, I'm going to wait and get something to eat because I'm very hungry. I'm going to get another cup of tea because I've tanned my tea, and... I'm going to go and read, I've got another article in this book that I'm going to read, uh, God, what's it called, I'm trying to find it, I was just a page away from it and I've now closed the book, what a dafty, it is called, no, no, it is called Art Ideology and Pop Practice, and it's only 20 pages long, not even that, 10 pages long, so I'm going to go and read that just now. So listen out for the pod. Watch out for the podcast dropping on SoundCloud if you want to watch this back. If you're watching it on Instagram Live, which I think Anya does, <laughs> and uh, yeah, let me know what you think. If you enjoyed this podcast, let me know if you appreciated it. If it was cool, if you found it interesting, and I'll maybe do something else similar with another topic. Um, take care of yourselves. Take care of anybody that's immediately around you, and uh, make sure you've got plenty of food in, plenty of stock. Stay indoors. Don't don't risk it. Uh, just because it's sunny outside, wherever you are, uh, doesn't mean that that's a good excuse to go to the park. Stay inside. I know it's shit. It's been a brutal winter here in the UK, in Scotland anyway. It's been long and never-ending and, of course, the sunshine comes out and we're stuck inside. But stay indoors. Pace yourself as well. Don't binge-watch stuff. Don't um, do everything at once. This could go on for a couple more weeks yet, so don't don't do it all today and this week or whatever, just pace yourself, and um, yeah, take care, thank you very much for listening, and um, I'll see you soon, oh, and don't forget my gig on Sunday, Sunday the 5th of April, with Redhead Music, streamed on the Redhead Music page on Facebook, Uh, give them a like, it's going to be streamed on Zoom, 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 and uh, yeah, there'll be a little PayPal link for donations to be made to musicians, Um, so yeah, I'll see you Sunday if you tune in, Okay, folks, all the best.